When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A lot happening. The summer of tennis has started in earnest and not without controversy, as it seems to just about every year now, but there's no one better place to take us through it and give us the ins and outs, the who, what, where, why, and how. Brett Phillips, our very own tennis expert and host of the first serve for Bundaberg Ginger Beer, the great Australian brew. BP, hello. Hello, Sam. Well, let's start with this. Um, The United Cup. When we had you on the other night, when we were doing, uh, I was doing Sports Day with Bryce McGain, people obviously responding as to you as they often do with love and admiration. But the question did come through, what the bloody hell is the United Cup? People wanted to know, BP. Yeah. Well, uh, for everyone at home, uh, just uh, close your eyes. Let's paint a little picture here. But uh, <laughs> We had the Hopman Cup for 30 years. Uh, people in Perth are still, I can tell you, in a state of mourning that the Hopman Cup, uh, Sam, doesn't exist. Uh, founded by Paul McNamee, 30 successful years in Perth across two venues. And then that was replaced by the ATP Cup, which we know came in. And the first year was a resounding success. Great crowds, that soccer-type you know, feel inside a tennis stadium, country v country, but it was just for the men. Based on singles rankings, they picked, obviously, I think it was 16 to 18 nations. The thought process was, well, because, on, because of the success of the first year of the ATP Cup, we want to get the women involved. That's when... The ATP and the WTA were talking about you know, trying to merge and become closer affiliated, uh, maybe as one entity, which you know still t- might take some years to achieve. And then COVID obviously put a halt. The last two years of the ATP Cup were abbreviated versions, not the same vibe and atmosphere, but now life is back to normal. Um, we wanted to get the women involved, uh, we being the governing body. So that was where the United Cup was created to basically, uh, you know, very similar to the Hopman Cup in a sense of having a team of a mixture of male and female players based on uh, your ranking. Uh, so uh, the, the top-ranked singles player would then determine the team around. So, for example, there are some really strong teams in the United Cup, but there are those, for example, uh, Greece, who obviously have uh, Pass and Sakari, but not much underneath. So those players are getting uh, onto a bigger stage than they ever would. They're normally playing in front of two cats and a dog all around the world uh, with no one watching. So, yeah, it's 18 Nations. We're back, obviously, with you know tennis in Perth and Brisbane, who have missed out, Sam, the last two years, which mm. has been great for them. Uh, we're in Sydney, and that's where Australia played last night, unfortunately losing their two matches um, with Alex Demonor and Zoe Hive. So, yeah, I think this event will be here to stay now because this is all about bringing the men and the women together to start the year. And the only thing I would say, though, for people in Brisbane or anywhere that Australia isn't based, unlike the old tournaments that used to exist, Brisbane, Sydney, etc., they're not getting to see any of the Aussies. So that's the only disadvantage, really. 
When it comes to the Aussies, uh, the drama's all been, and surprise, surprise, oh, who would have thought that the drama was in and around Nick Kyrgios pulling out just minutes before his press conference mm-hmm. to speak about playing in the United Cup. Demon was promoted uh, up the order, and uh, they have to try and answer questions about a situation they don't know anything about. It, it's an ankle injury, apparently. Kyrgios laughing off the condemnation of uh, the late withdrawal. Leighton Hewitt's come out and said, geez, a bit of notice would have been great, and maybe just communicate in future, and... Um, Nick's responding with, well, I'm focusing on the Australian Open and anyone who knows about Grand Slam knows that that's priority. BP, correct me if I'm wrong, but I would have thought Leighton Hewitt would know a little bit about Grand Slam preparation given he's won two of them. Yeah, well, this is a yeah, fair point. This is a fair, this is an interesting little situation here. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of nothing new. Uh, of uh, It's not exactly a, a war of words between Nick and Leighton, but this has sort of been an on and off uh connection if you like i mean you know i get told that yeah everything's uh, hunky-dory everything's fine uh, this is the this is the dilemma for leighton hewitt now uh leighton bled for the country obviously so yeah. he put team competition right at the forefront of anything he's achieved i think i mean winning the two majors was great but playing davis cup for his country and having the best singles record of all time for australia is something that he hangs his hat on so he struggles to get his head around anyone that probably doesn't want to play for Australia. Nick's had a three-year absence, doesn't play the Davis Cup. They wanted him to play. Uh, if he if he wasn't Australia's best player, I think it would be a more simple decision because Leighton would just say, well, if you don't want to play, I don't want you. Mm. But this is the dilemma. They want to win the Davis Cup. They realise they can't do it without Kyrgios. So he opts not to play. He goes to the Middle East and plays an exhibition where he pockets a nice sum of money, rolls the ankle... So from what Nick's telling us, he actually informed the tournament director and Craig Tiley on his return to Australia that he, was, he wasn't he was feeling that great. He uh, trained a couple of times in Sydney, but there was no clear indication up until when I spoke to you earlier in the week that he was going to pull out. Um, Leighton Hewitt apparently was caught uh, in a sandstorm in uh, the Bahamas somewhere and no communication. So there's sort of some mixed messaging going on, uh, but... Yeah, the lack of communication from the Kyrgios side is evident. It's probably not a great surprise. I mean, he goes to the beat of his own drum. Uh, mm. Sam doesn't always buy into the team concept, although he sometimes does and he sometimes doesn't. So yeah. it probably just typifies uh, Nick's story of uh, a lot of contradictions from time to time that we, you know, we, we, we can't quite get our head around and understanding his thought yeah. process. So he's, uh, he's not playing, which is a real blow, yeah, no doubt, for Australia, which we yeah. suffered last night. I think it is too. And, and sometimes I think he revels in um, that rebellion. Um, and, and other times I think when he talks about the lack of support he gets, I think he genuinely does want the crowd to be with him. When, when they were in the doubles run with Thanasi during the, the last Australian Open, I think he genuinely enjoyed that and, and, and thrived in having the backing uh, of the crowd and, and of the people. But you sometimes feel like it's a step forward and a couple of steps back. And uh, I think that even the, the, the staunchest of uh, Nick Kyrgios critic, if he put his hand up to represent his country and yep. then did so well, and again, because Rafter and Hewitt and, you know, even Philippoussis at times, they sacrificed a lot of money to make sure that they represented their country uh, on the men's side. And so too have a lot of our women done the same thing. I think that would go a long way with that relationship that, is is so up and down with the Australian sporting public. Yeah, I think our association with the Davis Cup, we, we, we put more emphasis on representing your country. That doesn't necessarily apply everywhere around the world. And mm. uh, Davis Cup means 
uh, different things to different countries. And the, and the tennis world has expanded so much in the last, you know, 20 years. But, yeah, look, there's always complexities around Nick in that uh, and it, probably, it probably goes for all the great superstars in sport, doesn't it, Sam? There's just the intrigue of actually who they are, the messaging they're saying. We get a bit confused because they say one thing, then they say the other. Their actions don't quite match their words at times. And we're sort of uh, left um, with a bit of mystery as to who, you know, the real person is. But, look, do we want him to do well at the Australian Open? Obviously. Mm. Uh, we want him to have the best run he possibly can. So right here and now, if that ankle is giving him some trouble... Um, you want him to be right because that's the big uh, cherry in a couple of weeks' time. If there's more to it, then we probably will never know the complete answer until uh, you know a book's put out in about 10 years. Brett Phillips is with us, SEN Tennis Expert, host of the First Serve. BP, a couple of the, the, the biggest names that the sport has ever seen um, are going to be right at the forefront of uh, people's attention for this World Cup. We'll, we'll start with Novak, before we get to Rafa, um, we all know what happened last uh, Australian Open with Novak Djokovic, but he's back in the country. He's been given the green light uh, to play. He spoke yesterday for the first time since being back. What are you anticipating uh, will be the reception that, that he gets when he takes to centre court or whatever court they put him on for his first uh, match? I mean, even before that, when he's playing the warm-up events. Yeah. Well, that, that's the unknown, isn't it? Um, look, I think... Uh, I think our crowds are generally pretty good. I mean, we'd love to see the champions, and we're blessed. I mean, particularly in Melbourne, you know, having uh, you know great sporting events on our on our shores uh, year in year out. So we get to see the best. We want to see the best, and we're normally pretty respectful, generally speaking. I mean, there'll be maybe a pocket who might disapprove, but I think they'll probably be drowned out by the large uh, Serbian base that um, you know gets behind uh, Novak Djokovic. Look, he has slipped into Adelaide with obviously little fanfare compared to the hell of blue from last year. So for anyone listening on SCNSA, I mean, get along to uh, the drive, which has been refurbished right next to the Adelaide Oval, looking superb, I've got to say. Mm. Back-to-back tournaments the next two weeks, and you get to see Djokovic up close. So I don't know, Sammy, maybe put it out to the maybe put it out to the listeners what. Um, their reaction might be. But I think, generally speaking, they they respect him. They've never been in love with him, but they respect what he has achieved in the sport and the athlete that he is and what he puts on the line to be the best that he can be. So, for me, right now, uh, he starts as the favourite in Adelaide this coming week and then, obviously, the Australian Open in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, I get the feeling that it won't be as uh, acrimonious as maybe he's worried that it... Might be. I mean, last year at the forefront of it was the fact that every fan who was being told that you you can't go unless you are vaccinated was then looking at him, uh, them trying to shoehorn him in uh, under whatever pretenses and not have to have the same rule. And that's what I think people get their back up about. Why are you treated differently to me? And I'm, you know, a citizen here. And and I think now that he's allowed and everything's ticked off, I I don't think people have as big a problem with it uh, and are happy to move on from it. But we'll wait and see. Um, Mm. Rafa. So we believe this is Rafa's last time, and this will probably help Novak because a lot of the attention, and rightly so, will be on saying goodbye to someone who has given um, not just, uh, well, he's given Australian Opens so much uh, and he's given tennis uh, a hell of a lot. Well, yeah, I mean, with Nadal, I mean, we don't we don't officially know. He certainly has dropped a hint this week. Um, and when and when you're ticking... Uh, at the age that he is, um, I mean, you know, you can't look too far ahead. I mean, he's had obviously injury after injury, but somehow 
has just, you know, picked himself up from those uh, debilitating ab injuries or his foot, which we know has given him a lot of issues, and still been able to play unbelievable tennis mm. into his, you know, mid now turning into his sort of late 30s. I mean, he'll turn, what, 37 in 2023. So this could be potentially uh, the last time, but we just we just don't know. It's going to depend on a lot of things. Obviously, life has changed too, becoming a dad and uh, juggling all of that. He arrives in Australia um, you know, certainly uh, in, in a good frame of mind, he wants to start the season well, which he did beautifully last year. I mean, he didn't put a foot wrong for the first of three months before some injuries came. So if it is, we just cherish, you know, these great champions uh, on our shores, not knowing whether it will be the last time officially or not. We never knew it with Roger totally and never got to say a proper farewell. Um, I don't think there'll be a farewell red carpet for Nadal because he could, you know, possibly play another year of tennis. So, um, but let, let's just, you know, support him. And, um, I mean, there's great love for him, obviously, wherever he goes. And, uh, gee, if he could pull off another Australian Open, it'd be absolutely extraordinary. I mean, it was Herculean last year, uh, his effort yeah. with battling, you know, it looked to be at times the full body cramp, battling the years, and now he sits atop of the, the Grand Slam winners list. And people often point to, you know, the 14 French Opens, but it, it's you got to remember that without the French Opens, he still has eight Grand Slams. So that is equal with Fred Perry, Ken Rosewell, Jimmy Connors, Ivan mm-hmm. Lendl, and Andre Agassi. Um, that's extraordinary. Yeah. And that's more than John Newcomb, John McEnroe, Mats Willander. His record even without the French Opens has him as an all-time great. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, once upon a time, you, you know, go back to when those guys were winning under 10 majors. You, at the time, you probably thought, gee, this this might never be beaten. Then Pete Sampras wins 14. You think, how on earth is anyone going to get past uh, Pete Sampras? And then these three absolute superstars come along and just break all the records. And, um, you know, that, that'll be the question, won't it, when it's all said and done for Djokovic and Nadal is, you know, will someone like a Carlos Alcaraz, you know, maybe overtake them in 15 uh, you know, to 20 years' time. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> we've just been blessed, really. If you follow mm. tennis really closely through all the eras, you know, one era just keeps replacing another and we don't lose uh, the quality. Before we you, before you update us on the state of play for the United Cup, just front page of the Herald Sun, uh, the director of the Australian Open, Craig Tiley, um, has addressed fears that other countries and maybe even another city within Australia will try and poach uh, will continue to try and poach the Australian Open if the government doesn't invest more in infrastructure. How real is that fear, do you think? And and where does it sit, the long-term yeah. future of the Australian Open, in your mind? With your ear to the ground, finger on a pulse? Yeah. Well, I find this a really fascinating story, uh, Sam, because, I mean, the government has spent a truckload on Melbourne Park. They've got to spend more because what I'm being told by uh, the playing group, outside of the two weeks and outside of when basically the Australian Open bumps in, which is normally end of November, start of December. If anyone is driving around an area, they bump in, they bump out, and it turns into a ghost town, and it's an open um, you know, area for people to walk through. Is that the, the upkeep of the facility outside of the Australian Open needs to be a lot better. There are players rocking up there when the courts aren't maybe in the best condition, the nets are a bit tardy, leaves all over the court. There's no one sort of maintaining it. So that's something that uh, I think TA will need to address. Uh, but for it to go anywhere else but Melbourne, I, I could never see it happening. There is no other facility in Australia that could house the Australian Open. And where, where's the money going to come from to get it to a Grand Slam uh, facility? And, I mean, there's often been talk, yes, about the Asia-Pacific, China. I mean, that's been a delicate issue with no tennis there for the last two to three years. I can't see it ever 
uh, leaving Melbourne Park. But the upkeep uh, needs to be maintained, you know, 12 months a year, not just for that little couple of months. Um, and just to stay to play in the United Cup, BP, it wasn't mm. a great start for us uh, against uh, Great Britain. No, we lost the first two matches. So this is best of five across two days. So we uh, went down last night, Alex Dimonor. Tough one against Cameron Norrie, who's you know become a very solid uh, top 20 player from GB. He's a tough guy to penetrate past. It is the first match of the season too. So a lot of the players are they're going to have to work into the year. Some come a little more cherry ripe. Uh, Zoe Hives was, uh, yeah, sort of a little deer in the headlights last night. But uh, today, Island Tomjanovic uh, up against Harriet Dart should win that on paper. And Jason Kubler, of course, in for Demonor, who replaces Kyrgios. Kubler replaces Demonor. Plays Dan Evans, the feisty Brit, who he beat at Wimbledon uh, in his great run uh, this year. So I think he can certainly win that. Uh, yeah, we've got action going on right across the country. So... Uh, the United States are taking on the Czech Republic at the moment. The Czechs have just breathed some life into that tie with Petra Kvitova winning the third uh, singles match. And so this will continue right across the next week. Uh, Adelaide starting on uh, Sunday is going to be a terrific, great field for Adelaide on both the men's and uh, the women's side. So, yeah, plenty of great tennis, Sammy, to look forward to over the next couple of weeks leading into the AO. And we look forward to being able to cross to you uh, throughout it all, BP. Thanks for your time today and enjoy what's shaping up to be a gripping and exciting and, as always, slightly controversial summer of tennis. We wouldn't have it any other way. Thanks, BP. Uh, indeed. Just one final thing. Sorry, Sam. Yes. I forgot to mention Dominic Team, the former world number three, has just been given a wild card into the Australian Open. So no surprise there. 2020 US Open winner. Had a really tough couple of years with injury, particularly with the wrist. Uh, but, yeah, he's just been given a wild card. That's why you're the best in the business, always with the breaking news uh, and always keeping us up to speed on everything we need to know in the world of tennis. Brett Phillips, SEN tennis expert, host of the first serve. Thanks to Bundaberg Ginger Beer, the great Australian brew, and Snaffle. Get to Snaffle straight on at snaffle.com.au. one 736 I'm interested to get your thoughts. What reception do you think that Novak is going to get this year? Um, just that That's the simple question. We don't have to rehash it and, and should he or shouldn't he and all that kind of stuff. I'm just curious as to know how you think he'll be received. Off the text, um, uh, do you forget that we booed Novak before what happened last year because he's an ordinary bloke? That will definitely um, continue. Um, yeah, people, he has never been fully embraced and people don't warm to him as much as they have Rafa and Roger. So what kind of reception will it go just go back to what it was do you think it'll have a bit more intensity behind it do you think he'll actually be uh, embraced more than he was what's your bearing on how Novak will be received and treated during the, the summer of Australian tennis one 736 and off the text as we go to the break this is from Susan hi Sam terrific segment with Brett I call him Mr Tennis hope all SEN listeners have a great New Year's Eve and a great 2023 thank you Susan you're a star and appreciate that text on the 40 Winks temper text 